1: Welcome to the God Whisperers. I'm Craig Denofrio. I'm Bill Swerla. Today we're talking about Article Eight of the Augsburg Confession: the Church. No, is that the Church? The Church. Yeah, it's
2: it's really the second article. What is the Church? church.
1: What is the Church? And specifically, seven and eight are both the Church. The Church's ministry. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's the biggie. Right. Uh, Before we get into this, our basic housekeeping that we always do. If you want to call us on the God Whisperers hotline. Area code 626-593-7713 or ManlyDoctors13. I know we always talk about it, and the hotline is actually quite active these days. i got a few quite, calls. Quite active. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll even be playing one in a few minutes. Oh, maybe. yeah. Uh, internet stuff, Bill.
2: Internet, Godwhispers at gmail.com if you want to email us. And our podcast website, The Mothership, home base, is godwhispers.com. Or you can Twitter us at uh,
1: Twitter slash Godwhispers. Twitter, uh, let's Twitter. See, Twitter, com Twitter com
2: backslash Godwhispers, Godwhispers. and uh, I've been practicing my haiku poetry over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> and visit
1: us on the Wittenberg
2: Trail on our
1: endless thread, especially that is up
2: to approaching ten thousand comments. Getting there, it's getting there. It's, it's, it's kind of like it's, I've decided it's like Facebook with about six people. it's it's facebook with six very talkative people speaking of which who talk to each other in shakespearean verse or sometimes in latin or just in recipes did did you did you notice that that they were asking where we were well i haven't been there for a while so i I haven't noticed your absence has been duly noted Uh of course i you know i've been on on these youth youth conference tours uh, the the higher things sola conferences that's your excuse uh, yeah, I don't. I have sporadic internet at best, and and so you know I might look in once in a while, but I don't. I'm, I'm preoccupied. My excuse is I'm distracted. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it's uh, it's it's getting along quite fine without us. Well, that's that's good. Uh, uh, that's really that's kind it, of what you like want. Two people just kind of jabbering back and forth in Shakespearean <laughs> verse or Latin, and uh, as a result, we're we're only I think about. 700 or so posts away from the magic 10,000 number. And we have to figure out if there's a prize at the end of that or Uh, not. There should, there should be, there should be, there should be some
1: old sneaker or something.
2: Well, something from the swag store, which hasn't seen business since the last time. We bought something from the swag By the store. Way, to give the away. God Whisperer Swag Store is is alive and <laughs> open
1: for your business. Yeah, yeah
2: right.
1: <laughs> that's that's just a big cha-ching money maker right there. Hey, I want you to notice something. I got up this morning and I said, I'm tired of my church being small, so I put on my Rick Warren uniform. Yeah, I noticed you, you
2: notice you're wearing I... you're wearing your Ho- uh, a true Hawaiian shirt. Got my Hawaiian is, shirt on is that a what a twenty Bahama? It even, Bahama or, it even uh, says Hawaii. Uh, what's what's the what's the name in Hawaiian shirts? Is I that... have no idea. I think it's it the last name is Bahama. I think I got this at Wally World or something. I'm yeah, sure. I I own one Hawaiian shirt. I got it at Goodwill because I, I I needed one it was a, a party I was going to that <laughs> you had to wear a Hawaiian shirt and and I didn't have one. So uh polyester kind of makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I, I you just, know, it's, it's, just, a, it's a bad feeling. I'm, a,
1: I'm more of a natural fiber guy myself. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I got up. I put on my Rick Warren uniform. I went to church expecting that simply wearing the Hawaiian shirt. Did it work?
2: Yeah, 10,000 people? would have to move to
1: a larger room for my Bible class and everything. <laughs> yeah. And instead... Nobody came. No one came. No one so. came. I had, You're I had smoking, dude. One lady show up. I usually nice. have a dozen or so, but everybody,
2: it was a mutiny, I think. Yeah, I don't they, know. They, they, they got together on the phone and they said, let's not
1: go. I think uh, summer in Pasadena, we should probably suspend these
2: activities because it's just too hot <laughs> and people are on vacation. People are on vacation. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of good reasons not to do these things, I suppose. But. Uh, yeah, you know, we have to be careful. We're getting we're getting some uh, we're getting some some angry mail. People don't like the way we're speaking about some of our fellow. Our fellow, whatever, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, we, we were accused of not knowing what the heck we're talking about. Pretty Calvinism, much. yeah, but it's Calvinism funny. is a sore point. You know why? You know why Calvinism is a sore point is because most Lutherans are crypto Calvinists. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you start when you start tweaking on that, you'll tweak on all the cryptos. Well, we
1: we were told that we needed to go and study under uh, um, a real Calvinist like Horton. which yeah. is exactly why I'm a Lutheran. I spent two years with Mike Horton. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) at his house smoking cigars and drinking and arguing theology and lo and
2: behold here i am well Uh. you know (laughs) and and we should be clear about that that we know these guys i i i I, I have been on on white horse inn i know mike i've i've been to his house i I know kim riddlebarger uh rod our good friend hangs out with these guys all the time We, we drink their scotch and smoke their cigars um um, I find them very hospitable, wonderful people. Now, this is not this is not like some personal thing or that. No, but, when uh, my dad died, but I I do I I'm going to do this and and I'm I'm going on the air and saying this. We just have to get this arranged. But I want to play that snippet of what's her name Phelps Roper or whatever it. And uh, you just, just have them explain this to me in in Heidelberg Catechism, Westminster Confession, Synod of Dort terms, why this ain't Calvinism. It may be nasty and ugly, but <laughs> but uh, explain to me why. You well, know.
1: there are those that would insist that Beza and Calvin were not exactly of the same camp and that sort of thing.
2: The, you know, the, the problem is this. Well, you know, but this gets to the bigger question is, what are we talking about then when we're talking about Calvinism? are we talking about, you know, the writings of John Calvin, or are we talking about the formal confessions of Calvinistic churches? And
1: that's the problem right there. Kim Riddlebarger told me once that he envies the Lutherans because we have a book of Concord. Right, exactly.
2: Because, I, you know, I always end up going to, you know, here's what the Westminster Confession says regarding double predestination, or here's what the Heidelberg Catechism teaches, or the Synod of Dort has said. And then you realize, well, people don't adhere to these things. Those yeah. are just kind of... Uh, are, a lot of them don't. Some do, you know, but it varies. It's, and so you always have to be kind of, you know, what do you mean by Calvinist? Right. Just like Lutherans are not followers of the writings of Luther. A lot of people are shocked by that. That uh, you know, you, you can see people dredge out some quote from the fifty-five and expanding uh, volumes of Luther's works and say, "Oh, you know, see there, he teaches that." And say, "Yeah, but that's not what Lutherans teach." See, but my confession of faith is only
1: against the Zwickau prophets or the <laughs> heavenly prophets. That's that's <laughs> that's it. My confession that's the of extent, faith right That's there. the extent of it. Well, and that's the problem with a lot of our Calvinist friends, is especially in certain. Church bodies, you can have the Synod of Dort and the Heidelberg Catechism and the Westminster Confession and so forth. And a lot of these pastors are actually allowed to just kind of pick and choose parts of each one that they want or parts that they don't want. And we're bound by the Book of Concord. We can hold up a book and say, well, this is what we're kind of bound to. Whereas uh, unfortunately, some of these guys aren't. And uh, I don't know if various church bodies uh, confess. That we are a church of the Synod of Dort, or or we are a church of the Heidelberg Catechism, or, or how that works exactly. It would it so would, would be, be helpful.
2: It would be helpful. I mean, I appreciate the fact that in Christianity uh, there are nuanced positions. You know, I mean, even within Lutheranism, that Lutheran road uh, is can be a bit broad in in certain you know aspects, and so we have we we have uh we have ways of nuancing these things but because there is no reference standard for calvinism or so it would appear now maybe maybe somebody can correct us on that but um i'm more than willing to read uh the articles of the westminster confession and the heidelberg catechism pertinent to this and and ask the same question is how is this uh, you know, how is what we're saying not consistent with those words, not somebody's spin on them or somebody's nuance about them or ways of ducking the uncomfortableness, that you have a God who damns people from all eternity. That's really that's really the the crux of it, is that is that there are people who are going to hell by the will of God. Mm-hmm. And if you're one of them, I can't see how there's any, you know, obviously you, you can't know that until it happens to you, I suppose. I, I guess not. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, if 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 that's your lot in life, then there's really nothing you can do. I mean, <laughs> you may as well party on, dude. Well, but but you know, I don't want to rehearse that here. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying that I, I think I. I, I, I I wouldn't mind having somebody who is identifies, self identifies as a Calvinist, give us a, his own analysis or her own. I don't care, you know, his or her own analysis about that. So, so that's your assignment, you know. Round round me up a Calvinist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if we can get Horton or Riddleberger or. Oh, well, Horton! Or, yeah, I think Horton had come on this this Podunk show. Horton's big time. He's you know, I, you he's, know what? He's, he's Calvinist a, superstar. He smoked
1: he's, enough of my tobacco where he owes me. Something, yeah. Okay.
2: So. All right. All <laughs> All right, enough said. But, yeah, pull some connections there. Let's see what we can do. You said you have something on the phone? I do, I do. Hey, awesome. Check this one out. All right, we've got our uh, high-tech hotline. This is, this, hotline. This is high-tech hotline this working here. here. As you lean your, your
0: computer. Hi, uh, this is uh, David from Phoenix, Arizona. Here we go. Regarding uh, Article 7, uh, really quite a enlightening episode, and your comment about uh, what appears to be theological proctology exams? Ouch! Um, <laughs> so wow! Open up a whole new avenue. for yeah, yeah, that again, would <laughs> the theological doctorate program with an emphasis on on that um, uh, that science. Uh, one question about that? Uh, maybe you've, I think you probably mentioned it before about scoundrels and what have you administering the sacraments that the Lord's still there doing the doing. Uh, I find people who are in churches that uh, have a female pastor uh, will hide behind that particular idea. I know that's not what uh, Luther had in mind at all, or I'm sorry, the Reformers, that uh, wrote the Augsburg Confession. But unfortunately, that's uh, what's been misused. Um, If you could comment on that, that'd be great. And um, by the way, uh, when are we going to hear a different bump music at the end? (laughs) Never! (laughs) Never! Jesus is a friend of mine.
2: The more you can the more you complain, the I'm worse sure it you gets. Guys just
0: love that shit. Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, by the way, if we uh travel in California and uh visit your churches, I hope we don't have to uh, have that exam to be <laughs> fight off or truly Lutheran or not. I'm just kidding. I enjoy you guys and keep up the good work. We're not. God bless. <laughs>
1: Everyone gets a colonoscopy.
2: <laughs> that brings a whole new meaning to closed communion right there.
1: <laughs> the rubber glove of communion.
2: Oh, that's wrong. So
1: um, uh, we, we he, he brings up some really good points here. Yes, some, he does. Some good discussions, especially as we head into this Article 8 about uh, scoundrels and others that uh, – uh, would administer the sacraments and, and so forth. I don't know about you, but I think more Sundays than not, I'm probably one of those scoundrels in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I stand before my people and preach the faith that uh, I myself struggle with all too often. And
2: uh, Why don't we uh, read the article? Because I think what he does, uh, this, what he says and asks, and, and let's make sure we touch on this business of uh, female uh, females in the office. Oh, yeah, chicks. To we, talk about chicks. Can't can't say chicks. That's a uh, I just did women females yeah, whatever women broads. You mean? don't see hey you don't see chicks studies at the at the on campus do you? No, it's women's studies. I studied chicks when I was on Which campus. Which you know my That's opinion. Know. I've said this before in public. Any 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 course with the word studies as the second word in the title, skip. Take volleyball. <laughs> I mean, do something. Just you know, skip it. Um. You know, religious studies, especially. I,
1: I got to tell you, when I was at community college, they tried to start a gay-lesbian student alliance there. Yeah, yeah. And they couldn't get enough students together. But we took their constitution and spun it around and started a straight student alliance and just kind of lifted out homosexual and put in heterosexual in places. And You, uh, you
2: were drummed off a of campus. I actually, we got it through, but I was the
1: club's commissioner on the student council, so <laughs> it kind of worked out that way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It 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 fails it fails the any white guy test you know I mean if you can't say it of any ordinary white guy you probably shouldn't say it That's it's racist for me yeah
1: anyway let's let's uh, that was uh, another D'Onofrio aside that
2: yeah well you shouldn't have been voiced y- yeah you used to be a political trickster so this is right up your alley yeah in in very bad ways um, yeah the article let's see the uh, article eight it 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 continues from article seven article seven dealt with the definition of the church and that is the assembly of all believers among whom the gospel is preached in its purity and the sacraments administered according to the gospel so that's the last time we were talking about this that's the dynamic definition of the church that is the church is the union of all believers in Christ through faith that is marked by the activities of preaching the gospel and administering the sacraments so
1: now, I, I have some uh, there. notes in my margins from my Confessions 1
2: class. Wow, and that was a long time ago. Back in the
1: day, mm-hmm. and you're going to really despise this. Mm. Next to Article 7, I have written Invisible, and next to Article 8, I have written Visible.
2: Holy mackerel. Yeah, no, you hate no, stuff. no, 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 no. No. <laughs> no.
1: Apparently my professor no. taught me these things. Yeah,
2: well something went something went direly wrong there. That's the you don't see those words anywhere in these articles, do you? I don't know what you're saying. Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't used grasshopper before, have we? In a while. <laughs> hey, so let's go to article eight. What is the you know, and, and I think the title is not really good either. What is the church? Um, but but here's the point. Uh, is re- the bottom one German or Latin? Uh, I we always I mean. get this confused. I keep forgetting. I wrote it, but th- I wrote it, but this is not you're, my. Mark you're the tradition. smart one. You're supposed to know these. I things. don't. I, my memory is shot. Properly speaking, the church is the assembly of saints and true believers. So there again is reiterating Article Seven that the church is the assembly of all believers. Um, however. In this life, many hypocrites and evil persons are mingled with believers. It is allowable, or since, in this life, excuse me, it is allowable to use the sacraments even when they are administered by evil men, according to the saying of Christ. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, etc., Matthew 23, 2. It's a strange strange citation. Both the sacraments and the word are effectual by reason of the institution and command of Christ, even if they are administered by evil men. That's the crux of this article. Mm -hmm. The sacraments and the word are effectual by reason of the institution and command of Christ. Or like Dr. Nagel always said, the mandate and institution. The mandate. Yes. Or or you might even say just the word, the word and command. So it's the word of Christ that makes the sacrament, the command of Christ that compels it to be done. Uh, Even if they're administered by evil men, our churches condemn the Donatists and others like them who have denied that the ministry of evil men may be used in the church and who have thought the ministry of evil men to be unprofitable and without effect. Okay. Wow. So there. Yeah, I can understand why you have in your margin visible church after this, because it says in that second sentence that since in this life many hypocrites and evil persons are mingled with believers, um, and so it seems to indicate that the 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 invisible church are the true believers, and the visible church are the true believers mixed with the unbelievers or the false believers, if you will, or you know the false Christians.
1: I, I guess maybe you can make the case that Article 7 is the church Catholic little c, and uh, Article 8 is the church proper where we have the gathering of the saints occurring around word and sacrament.
2: I I don't think I'd even go that far. I, I, what I would say is Article 7 deals with the church. Um, A. As it appears before God, or as it actually is, that is the union of all believers, and as it is marked by God before men. That is with the marks of recognition, the gospel and the sacraments. So that, and here's the key, here's the key thing about that. Every little congregation, including yours and mine, you know, we're, we're not one of the big congregations around in, in either our church body. It's because you're Christian not wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but even the smallest gathering of two or three gathered around Word and Sacrament fully manifests the Una Sancta, the one holy Christian apostolic church on earth. That's the key. So it, it has, you know, this is in this case, size does not matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So so that, uh, you know, we may be impressed by big gatherings, but how do you know that that little humble gathering is the church, the preaching of the gospel, the administration of the sacraments? God has marked it. Now, in Article 8, there's the reality that Unbelievers, hypocrites, false Christians, whatever, can get themselves in physical proximity to the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. You know, the, the doors are open, you can get through. You can sit in the pews. Okay. So so pew sitting doesn't make you a part of the church. Hmm. Faith in Christ makes you part right, of the church. Right. Um, but faith in Christ comes by the hearing of the word. It comes by the action of the spirit through the external word. That is the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. So you always have to have this kind of both and. So it, what's interesting is God's work is quite visible and audible. But our faith is not. Hmm. See, how do you know I'm part of the church? You've been baptized. Right. I mean, you, you, I mean, you certainly aren't going to see it by how I look or half the times how I act. Uh, they, you know, that's not going to be a, a good infallible mark, but but my baptism is God has God has marked me as as a member of the church. Right. So the but the issue comes up then, if as Augustine said, the the church as it is in this world is a corpus mixtum, a mixed body, it's inevitable that an unbeliever sooner or later is gonna get ordained into office.
1: Is that a real phrase? Corpus mixtum. mm mm-hmm. Never heard that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lear, learned it in doctrine class. I heard corpus mysterium. No, 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 no. Yeah. Huh? Or mysterion, rather.
2: <sighs> so anyway, as a, as a mixed body, it's going to be inevitable that somebody is going to be elected, called, and ordained to the holy ministry, the office of the ministry, who is not a believer.
1: Now our oh yes, exactly. Uh, our caller asked the question about women serving as Let's defer that one just but
2: let can we can we just kind of no, put that No because I want to watch you twitch. No well, we're you know, you can you can but we're not doing the twitchy okay, thing yet. I right. think you got to lay a foundation let's here see, you first. you want to talk
1: about the donatistic controversy yes. a little bit. More.
2: Yes because I, I think you have to address what the article is addressing before you address what it is not. All right. Yeah? Okay. Are you with me or yeah, to, yeah, I mean yeah, if you want to go yeah. somewhere else with this. If you want to go into women's I'm, studies at this I'm point. I'm going to the next church over. That's where <laughs> yeah. I'm going. So, so what is the, what's the, first of all, I think the big question is what's it talking about? And that, you know, when, it's, when it says that the sacraments remain efficacious or effectual, uh, even if the priests, um, and I think it's the Latin above who referred, it's interesting, this is one of those cases where it were even in Lutheran church, the pastors are referred to as priests. Yeah, old language. They don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't really care. You know, old language. Well, as but,
1: I understand, Luther was Father Martin till the day he
2: died, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. but, uh, but even though the priests are wicked men and uh, unbelievers, nevertheless the sacraments are efficacious. And so the question is, why? How can we say that? Because they are rightly
1: called and ordained according to the verbum, according to the mandate and institution of the holy ministry.
2: But that's not the reference here, though the ordinations not not i mean i would agree to uh, to an extent but but that's not the reference here why, why how can you how can we so, be so bold as to say luther went even further i, I was looking for the the uh, writing and i couldn't find it i think it's a 1531 writing where he says even if the devil I or, was
1: thinking exactly of that one as his his i was driving mother,
2: over. Yeah. the devil or his mother were to infiltrate the office it would nonetheless be the word of christ
1: yeah yeah I was wondering if you knew where that came from, because I was thinking of that quote also.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, one of his writings on the church, 1531, but I couldn't, I couldn't just lay my hands on the quote quickly enough. So. See,
1: and then you think about the people who have tried to punish you by not coming to the Lord's Supper because you wanted the, the parish hall painted a different color than they did. Or, or you know, I mean, the petty little thing that, things that people in the church get wound up over, and they decide, I'm not going to go to the Lord's Supper to punish the pastor— it is, this isn't even a matter of piety here. Right. And, and uh, you know, you're not, you're not punishing me. You're hurting yourself. But Luther goes that extra step, and he says, even if it's the devil up there giving you the body and blood of Christ, guess what it is? The body and blood of Christ.
2: Now, of course, there are some presuppositions. A, you don't know it's the devil. He's infiltrated. Yeah. Okay. Or his mother. You know, in other words, he looks like, as, as Paul says, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. Right. So he looks like the right thing. He looks like a proper pastor. But it turns out to be the devil in disguise. Even if you should discover that, and he was the one who baptized you. I always talk about Nonetheless, it. Nonetheless, your baptism
1: is a baptism. Right. Why is that? Because it was done according to the mandate and institution. It's done by God's hands through uh, imperfect tools.
2: Yeah, you always like going there. Christ it's Christ's office, it's Christ's authority, it's Christ's word, Christ's command, his institution, his mandate. It's all it's all Christ here. And therefore we are, as you say, tools or I prefer instruments. No, you're a tool. Yeah, I don't want to be called a tool. I want to be called an <laughs> instrument. I want to be an instrumentum. Um, but but uh, we, are, we are instruments, uh, which means that uh, it doesn't rest on, on the minister, the administrator, but on the Lord who is the one who is doing these things.
1: I got that tool talk from Nagel.
2: You know, say said, <laughs> "How humble the tool when praised for the work of the master." <laughs> that's that's good. That's, it's a, it's I good like phrase. that. That's that's, yeah. that's that Nagelian humility always. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and and that is the point of office and authority. That is, it's not about the man. It's about it's about the one. Who is the holder of that authority? And that's not the pastor, but it's Christ. Right? Um, authority is permission granted by another. So this goes back, and I think this is very consistently Lutheran. It goes back to the external word, because I can't tell looking at you know the pastor. I can't tell if he's a believer. If he's a hypocrite and a good one, I'll never be able to tell. He'll he'll look like the real deal till the day he dies, Mm -hmm. you know. Or then he publishes his memoirs, you know, post-mortem. I didn't believe a word of it, (laughs) you know. And imagine here, this is the thing. What do you think that would do to the piety of a lot of people?
1: Well, a lot of people if you belong to a church that's cult of personality, that'll crush your faith. But a lot of other people it's like <laughs> go figure.
2: See I, I think gospel from him anyway. <laughs> I think a lot of I think a lot of people and that includes Lutherans, I may be wrong here. I'm willing to hear 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 people out on this, but I think a lot of people would, would be thrown into doubt and despair learning that their pastor of thirty years didn't believe a word of it. Yeah. You know, are we really married? You know, are our kids really baptized? Did we receive the body and blood of Christ every Sunday? And and the resounding answer from this article is yes, you did, regardless of what he believed. The Missouri
1: Synod faced this problem in their history shortly after they came here and and uh, the Martin Stefan debacle and we could talk about that one till I, I love evidence, all my evidence is still on this out one. evidence
2: is still out but uh one.
1: there was there was a problem in the church are we really the church we've left the mother church we we forsook our our parentage in germany and we came over here and uh we followed a man who may be apostate and and the question was are we really the church and to his credit walther and some of the others stepped up and said yes we are because of word and sacrament we are the church and uh we are are called to this ministry no matter where we are and no matter who we're attached to so this this controversy has some some uh roots even here in our country
2: well and it it shows you that the lutheran the organic Lutheran uh reflex is always to go back to the external word mm-hmm. it it doesn't go back to the history of the church, it doesn't look for some ground of certainty uh in in man made institutions or things like that but it 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 goes back to the the core of uh, first of all the christ centered the the you know the Christocentric nature of it you is Where's the word of Christ? Because where the word of Christ is, there is there is absolute certainty. And so when Christ uh, gives his body and blood with his words and his command, that's a certain thing. And uh, and so as long as those things are going according to the, the uh, as, as long as they're administered according to his institution, you have great confidence. Now, if you start messing with the elements, or if you start messing with who you put in the office, you know, and that kind of, that leads into what, we have mm-hmm. to talk about. Then you create uncertainty where the Lord has established great faith certainty. And it always revolves around the Word. We'll be right back after
1: this message. <laughs> Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig Denofrio. And I'm Bill Swerla. We're talking about Article 8 of the Augsburg Confession. The church, what is it?
2: <laughs> what the church is? Not that—that that sounds like a really bad. Uh, the what church. Is it? What is it? <laughs> and you,
1: uh, we we left off. We were talking about all sorts of good stuff, but we had brought up the donatistic controversy, or as you like to say, donatistic. Okay. Yes, you know, uh, I, I, I have a. It's the Krispy Kreme. Um, you you say tomato, I say tomato. Yeah, but uh, let's call the whole thing off. Donatism. Donatism early church problem here uh, when the church faced persecution there were those who uh, kind of forsook the gospel one way or the other they they uh, um, went one of two routes there were the traditory who were those who basically handed over their bibles handed over their faith and they they uh, said don't hurt me you know i'll uh, sacrifice to the emperor whatever it takes we're good and then there were another category, I think they were called the literati or something like that, where these were the people who would get the writ, the little notes saying, uh, these people made the appropriate sacrifices to the emperor and these people are okay. And these guys would often go through... Um, a friend who was in the Senate or something like that—not Synod, but Senate. Senate, right? And they would get this writ saying that they had done this, even though they hadn't. In some cases, it was uh, required that you hand over all your Bibles oh, and um, okay. or fragments thereof.
2: And uh, a lot of Fra- people fragments well, thereof. <laughs> well, <laughs> would it fall
1: apart? No, in the early church, you wouldn't have an entire Bible. You'd have a very by the third century.
2: Yeah, not necessarily. Um, okay.
1: You know. We won't quarrel. Um, so anyway, a lot of times these Roman soldiers would come by, they were illiterate, and you just hand them a Greek book. Maybe it was a cookbook or whatever. And, <laughs> and they say, oh, we got a Bible, and, and you get your piece of paper. They were right. that dumb? Yeah. They, well, they weren't literate when it came to Greek necessarily. Okay. Well, right. These are soldiers. Uh, and then there were the martyrs or confessors. These were the people who said, heck, No. I do believe in Jesus. He's my savior and no you can't have my Bible. Thank you very much. And these were the people who were fed to the lions and these, gladiators. These and all were all clergy
2: like or or were they what were they? I mean entire categories I mean, of people, people from what
1: I understand. People didn't
2: own uh, Bibles. No,
1: no, no, no. No.
2: Yeah. The the
1: ones with the Bibles were probably the clergy right. or Perhaps in a house where a house church met, who knows? What, uh, um, what
2: I've always understood is that the traditores were those who handed over, traditores right. to, to hand over, they handed over their books, their prayer books, their Bibles, right. their, their whatever, like our agenda altar book or something, um, out of their office, basically just kind of surrender the goods. Yeah, more or less. To, so, uh, to save their necks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know,
1: the question is always raised: Well, pastor, if uh, someone walked in the church and held a gun to your head, what would you say? What would you do? And and you don't know the answer to that until someone's holding a gun to your head. I guess you know. I would hope that I would confess boldly, uh, but I'd probably wet myself, and God only knows what else would happen. Uh, so there are these these categories, and those who were faithful, some of them became a little problematic because they said, you know what. Those dirty guys—they—they they, you know caved. They're a bunch of wusses. They're wimps, and and uh, not only that, they're not even Christians. And and so not only are they not Christians, but everyone that they baptized isn't a Christian either. And every marriage that they performed is null and void. And you know on down the line. So now they're throwing all this doubt on if you were really baptized or not, or if you're really married or or whatever. And uh, so this controversy arises. And I'll let you kind of take it from there and correct all my errors.
2: No, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> I it's a new <laughs> it's a new lease in my life. I'm I'm just I'm I'm letting error just just kind of just I'm I'm bathing in error. I don't I don't mind error. I you know, know you. You'd explode if there was something really heinous that I said. Yeah. No, I think that's a good summary. I, I the it, but the you know the issue finally boils down to this is uh when the persecution is lifted, you know, Constantine makes Christianity the big dog on the block or the only dog on the block. Uh, then they all come back and resume their ministry as if nothing happened. Right. And the big question is, well, wait, 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 you know, in fact, there's a larger question. What do you do with all these people who folded under persecution? What sort of penance is there? Well, how do you get back into the church, you know? And as typical, the, 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 the Catholic, you know, and I don't mean Catholic as in Roman Catholic, but the, the, the majority, the, the Catholic church is actually rather lenient about the whole thing and basically uh, was willing to to uh, you know embrace uh, like the prodigal son you know basically let people back in and and that um, the donatists were rigorous mm-hmm. and they as, as being being rigorists they they basically said no 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 not so fast here and and held that the sacramental acts of these traditory clergy were not valid right because they had they had relinquished their office and and uh, and they and and basically you know he, here's a little interesting side note it was in this controversy that the term ex opera operato comes in comes into play do you uh, know that that I
1: did not know
2: ah, here we go because the donatist argued and I'm looking at something I wrote on uh, McCain's thing uh, it's the um, it's the book of concord.blogspot.com. Uh, it's a great um, uh, it, article by article thing. Is it only um, great
1: on the parts that you
2: wrote, or is mostly, it mostly, yeah, or, or where I've commented? <laughs> and and uh, no, the, the McCain has done a really nice job going through uh, all the uh, confessionally. I think he's in the middle of small called articles. I think he still uh, is working it. But anyway, the. Um, They say here that, uh, or or I've I've noted here, that the Donatist argued that the sacraments were valid, listen carefully, ex opera operantis. Okay. That is by the work of the one working. Oh, that's messed up. Mm -hmm. So it's tied to the holiness of the one doing the work. Whereas Augustine argued, no, they are valid ex opera operato by the work having been worked. See, and so the first use of that term is actually a good, proper, and innocent term.
1: Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. That's interesting.
2: Now, you know, the, there comes a later issue where it just works automatically apart from faith, and that's that's something else. But here, it's Augustine's reliance on the word, the monergism of the word. Nothing can deflect from that. See, and that's that's kind of our heritage, is that it's the word at work, and therefore the instrument through whom that word is working is is not... Uh, has no bearing on it, and so simply the work having been worked according to the mandate and institution of Christ is sufficient. and uh, this solved a lot of problems here because th- that was a that was a serious split, a serious schism in the church.
1: yeah yeah
2: and uh, you know of course you, you get this where where the novations came before the Donatists, and it was the same thing is is the unworthy clergy. And, and were these acts, were these sacramental acts valid? Uh, because uh, the men were not uh, were not worthy to hold office in their estimation.
1: You used a theological wonk phrase there that uh, perhaps some of our listeners don't know about, monergism. Oh, yeah. Uh, two words together, mono, one, ergos, work in the Greek. And so it's one working. Synergism is working together. Um, monergism is one working. So in this, what you're saying is God alone is working through the word alone. And so we're we're uh, getting into the soul is at this point
2: well and and see that was augustine's big theme that's that's how he defended against the pelagians who basically said that uh you work your way up to god and salvation and that's how he defends against uh, the the donatists and says that the, the the minister the the one ministering the sacrament uh basically has to do with the efficacy of the sacrament and in both instances um augustine goes back to the word and it's the, it's it's the word of christ that that is the power of the sacrament not mm. not the person doing it
1: yeah, then, then you get, you run afoul of other things like, is the sacrament valid but not efficacious, or efficacious but not valid, I don't know. It gets pretty weird after that.
2: Yeah, well, actually, those were distinctions that were used, like a baptism outside the Catholic Church, uh, if it was done with water and the proper formula, etc., was was considered valid, though not efficacious. Right. So if you bring it into the church, then it becomes both valid and, and efficacious. Now, we stay clear of that kind of language. There's a story that that I heard about St. Augustine maybe you've heard
1: this one I don't I don't know if it's true or not but apparently there were some kids out playing in the in the mud mud hole out near the church there and uh, they were playing priest, and they baptize each other. And the story goes that Augustine ran out there, grabbed them, dragged them into the church, and wrote their names down and recorded it that they had been baptized.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, that's interesting. And, and uh, I believe, if memory serves me correct here uh, in, in a discussion on this, the East and the West come to different conclusions on that. See, the East would conclude there is no baptism. Okay. Because it's not given them to baptize. It is given to the office of the holy ministry to baptize.
1: Well, that's true and also not true at the same
2: time. Yeah, well, see, and and that's, I I tend to lean more toward that. It's, It's given that baptism is administered by the church through her office.
1: Right. And, and the only way that I would differ on that, and I'm sure you agree with this, is in cases of dire emergency where someone's about to die. Right.
2: Which this, in your hypothetical, was is not. Not the case. Was no. not. Right. But you can see how you wrestle with that is because you have, you, you know, the nature of a sacrament is you have, you have material, you have water, you have the mandate and institution of Christ, you have word. That word is a powerful and effective word. You know, it doesn't return void. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you have to wrestle with under what conditions is it going to? I hate to say it this way, but is, will it work? And under what conditions doesn't it work? You know, and and uh, we have those provisos. You know, according to the mandate and institution of Christ, right right there in our definition of the church. When the when the gospel is preached purely and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution. So there's there's a notion here that when we step outside the institution, we can no longer rely on the word and its promises. Now we're getting to the yeah, the female yes. thing. Huh? Yeah, I mean that's the lead. Let me add one more thing in all the right. apology. In the apology, uh, I'm this, sorry. this article is is <laughs> is is accepted by the the confutation without any controversy. I mean, the, this is this is Western Catholic teaching, and and there's no controversy on this at all. Um, but uh, Melanchthon adds a little bit in the apology to just underscored the objectivity of this article. Um, and he points out that in the holy ministry, the pastor, he says, does not represent his own person, but the pastor speaks in persona Christi, that is, in the person of Christ. Right. Uh, f- uh, then he says, "For ministers act in Christ's stead, vici Christi, uh, vici Christi, and do not represent their own persons according to the word." Luke ten sixteen, "He who hears you hears me," hmm. and, and that, that passage is used several times. I think at least five times in the Confessions to to basically say that the, out of the office of the ministry, Christ speaks. And so the pastor is not representing himself or his opinions or anything else, but he is speaking the word of Christ, and he represents Christ. He is the vicar of Christ, if you will.
1: In many of our
2: churches... Um, vicar, meaning the, the one who acts by. That's, that's the Vice Christi, right. you know, not the Pope alone. See, that's, that's the thing. Lutherans don't say, no, no, Christ has no spokesman on earth. No, Lutherans say that, that every pastor holding the office in his congregation, speaks Vice Christi. Now, we have vicars. And, and they speak on behalf of the pastor. Right. They yeah, so They're, they're kind of Vicarious, third substitutes. Third hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and they wax cars. That too.
1: <laughs> in, in many of our churches, uh, the pastor is often communed by an elder or someone else. In the Eastern churches, is that the case? Or do the Eastern clergy tend to commune themselves?
2: I, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. You'd have to ask.
1: Because there's, there's actually Lutheran tradition and historical tradition where the bishop or the pastor communes himself. I do. I do as well. Right.
2: And and that's kind of caught on. I mean, it's certainly approved by the Lutheran church fathers. Uh, it's it's in Luther. It's presumed right. in Luther. Um, Nicaea, one of the canons of Nicaea in 325, forbids upward comm- it, it communing right. upstream. Right. Okay, so a, a presbyter is not to commune a bishop. Deacons are not to commune presbyters, blah, blah, blah.
1: Now, let me see if, if you explain it the same way that I do. Because when I came to my church, I explained it this way. I said, do you... Enjoy receiving communion from your pastor, and they said yes. And I said I do too.
2: Well, you're not uh, your so, pastor,
1: so it's from the office to the man, is yeah. what I'm saying. But, but you're so, not your pastor. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm saying Trying I confused the lady. I, no, I, I enjoy receiving it from the hand of the pastor. And so what I'm saying is that the
2: office is communing the man. Is enjoyment the uh, the criterion here? Yeah, it's so it's good times. You, it's, it's what you. It's enjoy. all about good times. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my explanation is that that it is Christ who gives the, gives His body and blood out of His office, mm-hmm. and so it is the office that distributes the body and blood of Christ, and therefore that's you know, that's uh, what I'm saying. That, that's why but, but, I, I don't necessarily enjoy it. It's just it's just <laughs> how it is. <laughs> well, I think I'm using enjoy
1: in a wider sense of receiving comfort, knowing that it's given. You take in joy proper.
2: in, yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and and but. Then when you receive communion, is it the office communing the man? Do you even consider
2: that? Yeah, in in kind of a bizarre sort of way. I mean, right. I even say the distribution formula As do I. to myself, right. the body of Christ for you. Uh-huh. You know, the weird thing is, not weird, but but I, I think back to growing up in the—I grew up in the Lutheran Church. You didn't, right? You, you, no. you Yeah. Um, my pastor, I never saw this man ever commune. Hmm. He only communed at pastor's conferences. Oh, that's sad. That, But that was the way it was, because you, he wouldn't commune himself. I mean, he was of that school that says you don't do that. And I'm not sure what the line of reasoning was. It might have been the Lutheran prohibition against the private mass, you know, the, that is the priest in his cell by himself. But that's not the point no. here. You know, I mean... Um, but but there was certainly there was an aversion to communing yourself, and he wouldn't have an elder commune him. And I believe Walter's pastoral says that that if if you're unwilling to commune yourself, or you have no other pastor in the congregation, then you commune at your 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 winkles, hmm. which were presumed also to be communion services. So their pastors were pastors for each other. The presiding pastor was the pastor for the the group of of you know like the circuit counselors say would be the pastor. There. Now, um, you know this is all sir, this is all rendered moot if you commune at your own hand. Mm-hmm. But you know, I liken it the same in preaching. I am as much a hearer of my preaching as I am the preacher. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm the first parishioner to hear it.
2: It's an occupational <laughs> hazard. I don't hear it terribly well because I am the preacher. You know, and and I like I like. Being able to, uh, I enjoy, if I may use your your favorite word. Um, Careful, you might have a good time. Yeah, uh, yeah sitting in the pew and, and hearing uh, a sermon. That yeah. was one of the great joys of the Higher Things Conferences the last two weeks, is you get to hear a lot of really good preaching, and you just get to sit back and listen.
1: But when I mean, you go to another church, do you reflexively want to say the the pastor's parts in the liturgy? Yes,
2: <laughs> I have to suppress myself. <laughs> oh, no, do. Uh, you like, know, <laughs> For me, it's 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 like it's like renting an automatic. I drive both my cars are five speed stick, and yeah. I have to curl my left foot behind my right ankle. Otherwise, I'm going to send somebody through the windshield as that as that left foot attempts to work the clutch and catches the brake pedal. But I'm like that. Yeah, I I, I will do all the pastor's parts, yeah. and, and my wife has to kind of kick me. And and uh, oh yeah, yeah. But see that I, I, it's a, for me, it's a very cool thing to be on the receiving end. Yes and it's a, it's a huge occupational hazard for pastors because we are both um giving and receiving at the same time and and i think it's kind of a spiritual bummer myself
1: yeah and and you know working uh, confession and absolution is is a, can't really put your hand on your own head and pronounce absolution. No, that no. It doesn't you, work
2: so well. At that point, it's, it's absurd. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you can't, that's why we are supposed to, we, we we're supposed to have father confessors, yeah. you know, other, because, and it underscores the word is objective. It comes outside of ourselves. And so it's almost like a hand—what you know, what you're saying, I almost picture a hand reaching out from from the office, you know, reaching out and reaching back in. <laughs> and it's, it's strange, but that's, the, that's just the nature of uh, these little parishes where you just have one pastor.
1: Now, the protocol on this is that— um... Uh, the pastor would commune himself first, or the bishop communes himself first. I go last because we have a common cup, and I'm just kind of, you know, saying I believe in this enough to go
2: last. Yeah, you're kind of bearing one another's burdens. Yeah, I, I do both actually. I commune first. Doctor Nagel always used to say, "You you can't you can't give out the body and blood unless you're first bodied and bloodied yourself," uh, which I think is a, a kind of a cool way of looking at it. Um, and the, the usual, the traditional protocol is first, uh, mm-hmm, the, the, right. the bishop first, then then the, the the lesser clergy, and then then the deacons would uh, would commune everybody else. But um, on the other hand, uh, I also. Uh, Finish whatever is in the chalice so that everything can be put back again. And so, so I do sort of commune last as well. We we
1: return the uh, remnants of the chalice to to the earth um, simply because when I was pastoring in Missouri, I was doing church without breakfast, and um, the elder that would assist me with communion, he'd always keep filling the chalice. And so, at the end of communion. I'd have a full chalice and I'd, oh. I'd finish it off. And I remember
2: one day yeah, kind of, I was kind of greeting, wobbling through Bible study. Uh, well, I
1: was greeting everyone at the door after church, just thinking to myself, maintain composure, you know, stay up straight. Yeah. Kind of wobbly. Yeah,
2: there's, there's that there's that, <laughs> that 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 little bit of tendency for scandal. Yeah. Um, you know, the early church was very, very sensitive toward uh, the scandal of drunkenness, too. Uh, that's why water was often mixed with wine to mm. dilute it and and things like that. Um, There isn't so much left in the chalice on a normal Sunday. If there is, I will leave it and uh, do likewise, uh, you know. Although I have a slight advantage in that uh, we we have a Chinese uh, portion of our congregation that meets do the, they, they say the liturgy in Chinese, uh-huh. um, and they're after us, so so things are, the altar just kind of is reset, and they continue on where we left off, you know, and, and it's kind of left for them to take care of the reliquy. you know, at that point.
1: Okay, but they're not reconsecrating the elements that are sure. already
2: consecrated. Yeah, those people didn't hear it. Well, we'll talk or. about we'll, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, if you're there's, there's no statement whatsoever being made about what they are what they aren't and and you know Lutherans Lutherans when they're behaving themselves you know you know when to speak and you know when to shut up and yeah. uh, and and well, you know it's kind of a great trap to say uh, well is it the body and blood or isn't it. Now, if, if I'm not
1: mistaken Luther made some pretty strong quotes about reconsecrating elements though and that sort of thing. No, he, I, made strong,
2: he made strong he uh, made strong strong quotes about uh, taking consecrated elements and returning them to the common vessels.
1: Oh, that's what I was thinking.
2: Uh, and accused the pastors who do that did that of being swinglians. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it's not about and reconsecration I think is that, that's that's saying too much uh, again too, you know, <laughs> that it, no matter what I take to the hospital shut-ins, they will hear the words of institution because their ears must hear given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Yes. That that's you know, they have no reason to believe anything about that bread and wine not having heard the words. Right. You know so it 's one of those things it 's not about the issue is not about what what whether the bread and wine or the body and blood of Christ at that point the issue the issue is what have you heard mm-hmm. you know and, and that's that 's always the Lutheran burden. Faith comes by hearing what have you heard and this was the burden in this this uh this this article it's it 's uh, the word is effective regardless of whether the guy is a scoundrel or not you know by the way that's the- that's a that 's a great apologetic point too. You know, people like to say, oh, Christians are bad, religion is violent, Christianity is responsible for, you know, this bad thing, that bad thing in the world. I mean, shoot, uh, if Einstein were a womanizer and a drunkard, E would still equal MC squared. Right. You know, uh, it speaks nothing to the truth. And here the uh, morality or the holiness of the clergy says nothing about the sacrament. Yeah, you know, just like if the police force was all corrupt in your town, that says nothing about the rule of law in your town, you know. Don't think <laughs> murder can... is still murder. Yeah, yeah. And and so there's something about the objective word-based external truth here that that's at stake. Now the question comes up, which is so, what, what, do you, what happens when you got a female in the office? Oh, that question. Yeah, I Canada. forgot about that question. That's what started the ball rolling today, huh? I'm reading my book of Concord, and you're like, the question. I, well, um, now, when I, when I wrote this thing for McCain, I wrote it, this article did not and it does not speak to such modern novelties as female ordination and lay ministry. Also, may as well throw that one in, uh, as is sometimes alleged. Which was alleged in our in our uh, in that that good phone call, and and well, he's right. People do use that. It's like, right. hey, it's still the Lord's Supper, you know, which is the great backdoor way of getting getting women. It doesn't matter whether whether they're male or female. Still, I still get the same thing.
1: I remember an article that uh, David Scare, Doctor David Scare, wrote. Um, I think it was in CTQ about maybe twelve fifteen years ago, somewhere in that range. Uh, Where he makes the case that women who are in the pastorate are simply playing pastor.
2: Yeah, he argues that it's playing church.
1: Yeah. And that uh, these are no pastors at all because the pastoral office is given to men. Yeah. And so it's nothing more than a play in which church is going on and that sort of thing how would you respond to that
2: um you know i, I have i have railed not railed but i have struggled against that i, I come to that position kicking and screaming but, but i i have to admit that over the years uh, having you know thought about it uh we we live with female ordination within the bigger lutheran camp all the time because the the uh you know the the sort of the the liberal side of Lutheranism has been ordaining females since 1969 or 67. I can't remember in this country. And it's been in Lutheranism since 1954 in the Scandinavian countries Hmm. uh, by government fiat. Mm -hmm. The Swedish Lutheran church is a state church. And they, they said uh, you're now equal opportunity employer. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Um, But, but I, you know, I, I, cannot refute that position i i I think that is is very much uh consistent with the nature of the sacrament that uh once you begin to play with the institution of christ you know the, the the question is only uh what what does the office of ministry have to do with the lord's supper and i say everything he did not give it to his his greater company of disciples he had tons of disciples right. he gave it to the 12 you know at table the night he was betrayed his apostles which are the that's the foundation of the apostolic office of the ministry right now, what would you say to those? Uh, St. Paul— so, Well, let's get to the female thing. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm heading a here. A female does not, does, not, does not lawfully, legitimately hold the pastoral office. I mean, that is, that is the, the uniform consensus from Scripture for, you know, probably 1,900 years of church history. Okay. That, that a female does not legitimately hold that office, and therefore she cannot have that authority. Now, she, I'm, I'm going to play feminist.
1: Oh, because Saint Paul! See you wear a Hawaiian shirt. This is what's going to happen. That's right. I'm wearing my bro, my man's ear. <laughs> uh, so, Saint, bro, Saint Paul uh, is a male chauvinist piglet who, uh, when he writes about the orders of creation and ordination, that's just a, a male-centered, a man-dominated, evil, misogynistic culture that he comes from, and that's why we don't have women's ordination in the early church. What would your response be?
2: That may very well be true, uh, but it doesn't negate the fact that, that this is, this is precisely what was prohibited in, in the early church and has been maintained for 1900 years when things were perhaps, and I'm going to, I'll leave it as an open question as to you know, how he felt about women, you know, that's irrelevant. Um, and, and how the culture felt about women is, is is irrelevant, too. The question is only, what does the scripture say? And 1 Timothy chapter 2 uh, basically says that he does not permit uh, a woman to teach or have authority over men. Now, the 1 Corinthians passage is a little, little more nuanced, a little subtle. It could just refer to the wives speaking up in church in the presence of their husbands. But nonetheless, the church, historically, up until... Um, you know, the 1900s, 1950s, uh, said no, that this was a male office. And they even would go so far as to say, hey, it represents the person of Christ, and the second person of the Trinity in his incarnation is male.
1: I I would hasten to add to this also that the pagan churches— had priestesses?
2: Oh yeah, Tertullian was all over that one. Yeah,
1: and so to say that the culture was against it because of women, not necessarily the case.
2: No, and in Greco-Roman society, women had pretty decent standing too. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of anachronism and playing around with what uh, what is perceived to be the culture, but it you know it all, that all stems back to the non-interchangeability of male and female, mm-hmm. and that'd be like a separate study to look at the nuances of First Timothy two or Paul. Uh, talks about the role of Eve in the fall, uh, but he also talks about the unique place of women in childbearing. And, and and you know, all of this speaks to the non-interchangeability. Uh, I, I think we just have to get comfortable with the notion that it's a male office.
1: Well, and we would say that simply because that's what's given us in Scripture.
2: And, well, you know, as a concluding thought, when you freestyle with the institution of Christ, you take it into your own hands as though it were yours, you... Bring in all sorts of elements of doubt Which is contrary to faith And never cause
1: doubt The gospel will not leave us there Hey Bill, who's your friend? Jesus
2: is a friend of mine Jesus is a friend of mine Jesus is my friend Jesus is a friend of mine I have a friend in
1: Jesus Jesus is a friend of mine Jesus is my friend Jesus is a friend of mine He taught me
0: how to live My life as it should be taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave.